Brooks said. Um, I just want to say <clears throat> thank you so much. Um, thank you so much for your prayers and uh, your support uh, this morning. And um, yeah, what a kind of an emotional time for us in a, a really good way. And um, um, but thank you, uh, your support means so much. And um, Stephen Becky, I just want to say to you again, um, thank you so incredibly much for your faithful and your impactful leadership over the years. Um, from the church's beginning 35 years ago. And um, we're grateful for it. We're grateful beyond words. And um, I just personally thank you this morning for entrusting and passing that leadership baton on. It means so much. And uh, we love you. Um, yeah, yeah. When Christine and I first came out to Omaha in 2001, uh, fresh out of college, um, we had no idea what God would have in store and, and just how much of God's grace that we would experience. I remember the day that I moved to Omaha. Christine and I had just been engaged about a month, and I dropped her off on the way here at the uh, Des Moines airport, and she was going to be gone all summer uh, in Thailand doing, uh, on a mission trip. And and then I made my way here with the sum total of all my belongings packed into the back of this little red Honda Civic. And, and I remember crossing the bridge and uh, coming into Nebraska and into Omaha. And um, I'll be honest with you, I was pretty frightened that day. Uh, the thought of being a pastor and we didn't know anyone. Everything was new. And um, maybe you've heard a statement like this, when you're down to nothing, God is oftentimes up to something. And um, I know we felt that way. But since that first day of being here, literally, literally that first day, God's grace has been felt in some fantastic ways, more than, uh, more than we could have dreamed or imagined. And um, we're so thankful that God brought us here. We love this church. And um, it is an absolute privilege to be able to serve as, as your pastor here. And, um, you know, between the, the staff and mentors along the way and some great friends, I look at our journey up to this point and it has just been so incredibly blessed. And I think about the future with a great staff team and a great elder board and, and just so excited to, to think about what God, um, what God has for us, you know. And um, I don't feel deserving of this position. Um, it's very humbling. Um, but we're going to passionately pour our hearts into it. And um, I want to say to everybody that calls Brookside their home, um, I want to say thank you. Um, Thank you for so faithfully making this church a place that is truly impacting lives in our city and literally around the world. Um, many of you, you have invested in this church with your time and your resources generously over years and years and years. And Christine and I just want to say thank you. Um, thank you that you've extended us grace, you've extended us friendship. And um, we are so excited now to run with you into the future, into the things that God has for Brookside. And so it's a humbling honor to be your pastor, and I just, um, I just thank you for it. Um, and then, Christina, I, I can't thank you enough for your partnership in ministry. Um, there is no one that I would rather do this journey with, no one at all. And um, I was just thinking even yesterday I got a reminder um, of that um, that God knew exactly the kind of partner that I would need to do ministry, and I would not want to do it with anybody but you, and I thank God for you, so, yeah. So now we're going to shift gears without a clutch, all right, you ready? <laughs> all right. Hey, let's pray together, and then we're going to jump into a new series this morning, so pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Father, thank you for your church. Father, thank you that 
Father, you are alive and well. Lord, that you love your church, you love your people. And Lord, we get the privilege of coming together to gather in a place to, to sing praises to you, a worthy and good and great God. And so, Father, now we just pray that you would speak. Um, God, we know that you um, can anoint words. And so, God, I pray that you would anoint mine. I pray that your Holy Spirit would be evident in this place by the things that you speak to us, the things that you say and speak into our hearts as we teach your word. And so, Father, do a great work in, in this place. And we just say with, to you right now with open hands, Lord, would you speak? We invite you to do so. And we love you so incredibly much. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, as I said, today we're beginning a new series, and this week, this series is four weeks long. I'm really excited for it. I think you're going to find a lot of benefit for it um, to your life. Then looking ahead, as after we get through this, this four-week series, we're going to be spending a good chunk of time diving deeply into the New Testament book of Acts. We're going to be in that book for several weeks in the winter and even into the spring. Um, so that's kind of where we're headed long term. Um, but today, uh, launching this new series called First Things First, and the inspiration for this series really came from the Old Testament book of Second Kings. There's a story that's told in that, and I was actually listening to a message by another pastor as he was talking about this story in Second Kings chapter 5, and this idea for this series just came to life to me. And so I want to briefly tell you the story that takes place in Second Kings 5. In that text, what happens is that there's this story of this very powerful military leader. In the, in the text, in the scriptures, it refers to him as he was someone who was valiant. Uh, he was someone who was highly regarded, the text says. He won victory after victory after victory. He was, in so many ways, he was the rock star military leader of the day. But he was also a guy that carried the disease of the day. He carried leprosy. And it caused his life all sorts of problems, as you can only imagine. And through a, a set of circumstances, this military leader ended up at the doorstep of this prophet of God named Elisha. Now, Elisha doesn't even come to the door to greet this really what was a famous military leader. And, and so that kind of ticks, uh, ticks this military leader off. But what Elisha does do is he gives this military leader some instructions. And they weren't hard instructions. Elisha simply said to him, if you would go down to the Jordan River and you would wash in the Jordan River seven times, God will heal you. Now, upon receiving that news, the scriptures record that, that this, this military leader's name was Naaman, that Naaman was upset. He, he actually threw a fit. He was upset because Elisha, one, didn't come and greet him, but he was also upset because he didn't like this request. He didn't like what the prophet had told him to do. In, in, in some regards, it seemed maybe to him too simple. And so he, he bickered about it. He, he complained. You could say that even that he, he threw a fit. He said, why would I go to the Jordan River? I mean, the Jordan River was a, it's a dirty river. Why would he go to that? He, he thought he was above that. And so in a rage, he turns his crew around, his little entourage, and they head back to Syria. He's upset. He's ticked. But just as quick as that happened, his servants, this little group that traveled with him, they said to him, sir, and I would imagine they were begging him, sir, please listen to us. And then they said this to them, if the prophet had told you, Nahum, if the prophet had told you to do something great so that you could be cured of leprosy, you would have done it. Hands down. You wouldn't have doubted it at all. You would have done it. That's the kind of person that you are. If, if the prophet would have said, go and conquer another land, you would have done it. If, if the prophet would have said, hey, I want you to go acquire this treasure and bring this back to me, you would have done it. That's the kind of guy you are. You're highly regarded. You've won victory after victory after victory. You're a great man. You're an incredible leader. But why won't you just do this simple thing 
that the prophet Elijah is telling you to do. It's not that hard. If it was a great thing, you'd be all about it. But why? We don't get it. We're dumbfounded. Why wouldn't you do just this simple thing that he is telling you to do and receive the blessing of God and be cured of your leprosy? And so his servants implored him. They begged him to reconsider. And read the text and you find that he does. He relents of his pride. He travels to the Jordan River and he gets cleansed seven times. And what hits me about this story is this, is that when those servants went to him, what they were saying to him was this. They were saying, Nahum, it's not that hard. All you need to do is go to the Jordan River. It's not that far away. We can go with you. And then you need to walk to the water's edge. Naaman, you can do that. It's not that hard. Naaman, you can swim. All he's asking you to do is to go into the water seven times. Simple things, Naaman. And then Naaman found out when he did that, he come, came out of the water, and the scriptures record this. His leprosy was healed, and then he stood before Elisha the prophet, and he said this. He said, now I know that there is no God in all of the world except for the God of Israel. Naaman did something so simple, and it changed his life. Now, when I heard this, it just really hit me, and I thought to myself, I asked myself this question, what are the simple things? Well, what are the simple things that make all the difference in the world? Well, what are the things that, that aren't out of reach of anyone, but if, if you and I would just do them, they would make all the difference in the world? And then I thought about our church as a whole, and I thought to myself, what are the things that if done individually would collectively have a huge impact as our church looks at our city and as our church looks at our world? What would those things be? See, the greatest blessing that came into the life of Naaman did not come through his big military feats. It didn't come through the most extravagant thing that he was ever a part of. It came through something that was pretty simple. You know, God may have you in 2017 do something extraordinary. I hope he does. He might have you lead a new initiative. He, he might have you do something extravagant that impacts the kingdom of God in some big ways. But today and in this series, First Things First, we're just going to talk about the simple things. What are the things that if done regularly that are simple would change the long-term trajectory? You, you know how that goes. You change the small things and over time you keep doing them, you'll change the trajectory of your life. And so I'm excited about this series because we're going to talk about four things that we should prioritize and two of them are going to be very practical. Two of them are more about our attitudes or our posture. And so next week, we're going to be talking about what does it mean to, to live with a posture of worship? Why do we do even what we do in this room for about 20 minutes every Sunday? Why do we do that? What does worship look like uh, in other areas of our life? And then the next week, we're going to talk about the power of being connected. And so here's what I want to do to get to where we're headed today. If you have a Bible or if you can click there on an app or whatever, go to Psalm chapter 1. That's where we're going to be this morning. I'm going to read this psalm now in its entirety, and then we'll kind of go back and we'll just work through it uh, together, okay? So here it is, Psalm chapter 1. It says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Verse 3, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. 
For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Now this first psalm, as scholars correctly describe, it sets the tone. For all of the other psalms, this first psalm, it lays a foundation for the rest of the the book of the psalms. And the core message of this psalm, at the heart of it, is this person that is described as being blessed. And they're being blessed because they have this practice in their life where they take God's word and they sit before it. You know, this is my first sermon as having the privilege of being your lead pastor And the subject of this message is very intentional. Because if you pushed me on it and you said, Jeff, what's one, the one wish that you have for Brookside in 2017? What would be your one wish? If you could just wish one thing for the entire church, what would it be? It would be this. It would be, and I believe this would have such an impact if you and I would take this truth from Psalm 1 to heart. I believe that God could do great things inside of each one of us, and then ultimately he would do great things through us. Just imagine it. Imagine a group of people that lived with this kind of foundation that's described in Psalm 1. And so I want to look at this with you. Here it is. Let's start in verse 1. Notice this first word right out of the gate. He says, it says this. It says, blessed is the one. Now, I, I don't know about you, but if, if you were to ask, go you know, around the street, do random survey, and you were to ask a group of people and just say, hey, do you want to live a blessed life? I don't know of anybody that would say, no, I I don't want that. We want to live a blessed life. Nobody would turn that down. The root meaning of this word right here, it is to be, it says to be happy. Another way it translates is this. It's the person that is full of joy. This is kind of how I tried to picture this. Imagine this with me. Imagine the most beautiful waterfall that can possibly come to your mind. Um, and, and imagine that it, this waterfall, imagine that it, it represents, we got a picture of one, it represents the, the outpouring of God's grace, the, the blessing of God. In this psalm, what I love about Psalm chapter 1 is this, it gives us this very practical way of saying, okay, do you want to live under the blessing, the continual blessing of God, God who knows you, God who loves you dearly? In this psalm, we get this practical how-to. Okay, what does that look like? And you read through the Bible, you can see it over and over again. God longs to extend his blessing and his grace to his children. And Psalm 1 gives us this way, this, this, really this game plan for how do I stand right underneath the waterfall of the blessing of God? How do I do that? Now, one of the things that you, got, you just need to know You can never earn the blessing of God. God's grace is completely free. He gives it to us as a complete gift, his blessing, his grace, the grace of knowing him, completely free. We cannot earn it. But we do know this, and we see this in the scriptures, that the choices we make, the decisions that we make, the habits that we form, some of those habits, what they do is this, they open the door to receive the blessing of God. It's like going from a place where I'm not standing under the waterfall to I am currently standing under the waterfall of the grace of God. Psalm 1 says, hey, here's how you do that. Here's how you get yourself in that place. Verse 2 then says this. He goes on to say, but that person, um, the, the blessed one, is, he says, but whose delight, they don't walk in the ways that the wicked walk, but this person, their delight 
is in the law of the Lord. I, I love that word delight. Think about the things in your life that you, you completely delight in. Things that you find great joy in. What the psalmist is saying is this, that when you think about who God is and you remind yourself, when you get a daily reminder of who you are in Christ, he's saying that that brings joy to you. That's, that's like a delight. It's like going to God and saying, oh, my, Lord, I just received news from you that I delight in. It brings joy. It brings pleasure to me to know. And then beyond that, it's, he says this, the next thing that this person does, they don't just um, delight in it, but it says that that person, they meditate on his law day and night. Now, to meditate uh, simply means this. It means to reflect on. And I don't know about you, but I'm really good at meditating. I can reflect on things a lot. Sometimes I lay awake at night reflecting on something. My mind gets stuck on a thought. Has that ever happened to you? Sometimes I'm anxious. I'm worried about something, and I, I cannot sleep. You know what that is? That's meditation. I'm thinking on something. But the psalmist is saying this, if you would delight, if you would meditate, if you would think on, if you would reflect on words that would directly lead your life, words that would impact you, words that would remind you that you are a child of God, you are dearly loved, words that would tell you, okay, when you get to this point in life, which way should you go? They would give you wisdom on that. That would bring delight to you if you would think on those things. Again, it's describing this person that's saying, I'm going from here, not in the blessing of God, to I want to be right in the midst of the blessing of God. I just want to mention this to you. I can't tell you how helpful it has been for me to keep a regular journal of what I'm reading in God's word. Uh, just a simple thing where I just get out a pen and I just write. It's not real long, but I just write, okay, God, you're teaching me this today. I read this and this is what you're teaching me. Let me give you just an example of this. Um, just this morning, reading our, our reading was Psalm chapter 2, and it was speaking to those in authority. How appropriate for me to read that this morning. And the verse that stuck out to me was this, verse 2. It says, serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Now, that was powerful for me, so I wrote this down. I said, wow, this is powerful for me this morning. Blessed are those who do not exercise their own authority for their own good, but they serve the Lord, celebrating his rule. And where do they take their refuge? They take their refuge in him and in him alone. It was powerful to me. Now, let me just say to you, if you become the kind of person that you daily, you delight in God's word and you go to it on a regular basis, it will not always be fireworks for you. It will not always be moments even like this morning where I just went, wow, that was for today. That was for me. But I guarantee you this, even if you're brand new to the Bible, especially maybe if you're brand new to the Bible, if you will go to it on a daily basis with an open heart and you will simply say to God, Lord, I know you know more than I do. You know the end from the beginning. You know everything. And God, I just pray that you would teach me I guarantee you this, over the trajectory of your life, you will find that God will instill wisdom inside of you. This is why I'm so passionate about students beginning to read their Bibles as students. It's why I've encouraged, I've even incentivized my own children to do this reading plan this year. You know why? 
Because I know that if they'll get God's word in their heart, over time, it will produce so much fruit. It'll do amazing things. It won't always be fireworks. But if you continue at it, you'll be so glad that you did. Let's keep going. Look at me at verse 3. It paints this really neat picture. It says, this person, describing this person, again, that's underneath the waterfall of God's blessing here, meditating on, thinking on God's word, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Whatever they do prospers. It's, it's like this tree. Notice that it doesn't say that this tree is random. No, no, no. This tree is planted by streams of water. Now, if you grew up on a farm or if you're a farmer or if you're a hunter, you know that when you're out in a field, there are certain kinds of trees that become a nuisance to your field, like cedar trees. They just grow rampant everywhere. You don't have to plant them. They just grow. They grow big. They grow fast. It's not that kind of a tree. It's describing the kind of tree that, that is strategically put by a stream of water. It's the best place a tree could be. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to get water. It's going gonna, it's gonna to produce. It's going to yield fruit in season. Its leaves are not going to wither. What a picture this has for us. Have you ever sat underneath a good shade tree on a hot day? You're out working in the yard and you just take a break. You ever enjoyed the shade of a tree? Have you ever uh, gone to a tree that produces fruit? My kids, when we ever go to the lake that I grew up on, there's this um, right along the little gravel road, there's this tree apple tree. And they love to stop at this tree. Why? Because the tree produces fruit. And they love this tree. Psalm 1 is describing this kind of person that their life produces fruit. It has an impact. It does something for people. I don't know of anyone that doesn't desire to live a life that bears good things. I've never met somebody that says, you know, I think I just want to leave a horrible legacy. Nobody says that, but people all the time will say this, even especially this time of year, people kind of rethink life a little bit, and they go, you know what, I want to leave a good legacy with my life. I want my life to be the kind of life that people look back on it and they go, man, she was, she was solid in her beliefs, he, he knew where he was going, and wow, man, he passed faith on to the next generation, and it was about meaningful things, the choices that he made, they must have been well-informed. People want to leave a good legacy. Psalm 1 describes the kind of life that produces fruit. It's a strong tree. And let me just say this. You don't become a strong tree overnight. You become a strong tree by doing the simple things over and over again, day after day after day. And you'll look back though over one year, two years, three years, and the trajectory of your life will be in a good place where you will leave a great legacy. You will bear much fruit. Read the rest of this psalm and you see plainly, there's this contrast that really gets played out. The wicked go one way in the psalm and then the righteous go the other way. Destruction and condemnation for the wicked. And then it says in the text that blessing and this life that produces good fruit goes to the righteous. And so it's clear. You read through Psalm 1, study Psalm 1, you're going to see that, that one of the essential things of a life that produces fruit, of a life that will leave a legacy, of a life that will look back on 2017 and go, that was my best year. That was an impacting year. Psalm 1 makes it clear. That's the person that they begin with. They sit before God each and every day, and they open up his word. They don't have, you don't have to know everything about the scriptures. That's not the point. 
But you go to God's word, even as brand new to that, and you say, God, would you just teach me? And God will speak to you. He will teach you. He will lead you. I was talking to a friend about this message this week, and he was telling me about this experience that he just had with his youngest daughter. They have three kids, two boys and a little girl, and they had recently been out all day long, and they, the family was just shot. And so they came home, and right away, the two boys went to bed, and his wife even just hit the sack too. And, and, and it, so it was just him and his youngest daughter, three-year-old little girl. And she's a total mama's girl, and so this was a big deal for her to say this. But she came up to her dad, though, and, and she said this. Everybody's just kind of going to sleep. And she said, can I just lay down with you, daddy? She said, I just wants to be close to you, daddy. That's this three, little three-year-old girl, and, and it was a precious moment because she doesn't typically, you know, show that kind of affection to dad. And he said, man, it, it, it was just, it was meaningful to me. But don't miss this this morning. When you and I make time to sit before God with his word open, and we just say, God, would you speak to us? Would you speak to me? And what we're saying to our Heavenly Father is this. We're saying, as your child, God, I just want to be close to you. We're saying, God, I need wisdom today. We're saying, God, I, I've got some decisions to make. God, I, I've got some relationships that need repair. God, I need your help. God, I just want to be close to you because you obviously know much more than I do and you love me more than anybody else. And so, God, I just want to hear from you. I just want to be close to you. I asked a group of, of people this week um, I, who I know well enough to know that they spend time daily reading God's word. And I, I just asked them this question. I said, if, if you were going to give advice to somebody that you care about, to, to, to somebody that you, you love in your life, I said, what would be your top reason that you would give them why they should start reading the Bible every single day? And here were some of their responses. One of them just said this. He said, life is packed for me. And he said, I think everybody can relate to that. He said, there are days when I get up, I look at the to-do list and everything that needs to happen, and my, main, my mind just goes to, we just got to survive the day. Everybody make it through, right? Get to the end. Get to the end of the day. And he said, but when I daily take a time out at the beginning of my day, maybe for you it's at the end of the day, but he said, when I take a time out at the beginning of my day, it's as though I'm saying to God, okay, God, now all of the to-do list, everything, every relationship, everyone I'll encounter, every, everything I need to do. God, would you direct me? And he said, it shifts my perspective. It changes my focus. Somebody else said this, it centers me. Have you ever felt off-centered? You're just so chaotic and everything's going on, and then you just kind of get your bearings and you go, okay, now I can think. That's what this person said. When I, when I go to God's word, that's what it does for me. Another said this, it gives me a focus. Another said, it reminds me of who I am. Oftentimes, I can get kind of beat up. I can get kind of down on myself. But I'm reminded when I read God's word of who I am in Christ. And I need those reminders. Every child does. And you are a child of the living God. You need to hear from him. You need to let him remind you of who you are. Christina gave me four words. She said this. My top words, she said, were instruction, I get truth, I get wisdom, and I get encouragement. Instruction, truth, wisdom, encouragement. One person said this. When I read the Bible, I'm reminded that all people matter to God. And he said, I need that reminder because I can go through my day and get focused on tasks, and I can miss the fact that all people, every single person, deeply matters to God. And he said, so it changes my perspective, and so I begin to treat relationships like gold, and 
I remember that life is short and it helps me focus on what's most important. And then one guy shared this quote with me. That this was just something that someone else had told him along the way. He said, the Bible is really life's roadmap. If you, tr- if you are truly interested in reaching your destination with the fewest number of detours or breakdowns, consult it often. So here's my challenge to you today. And um, I know you're up for it, and I've been praying, though, that you'd take a hold of it. And I believe you will. Um, very simply, would you decide this year? Would you decide in 2017 that whatever it takes for you, rearrange your schedule, your morning routine, your whatever it takes, would you say, yes, I will pick a time, I will pick a place, I will give God 15 or 20 minutes of my day. Think about how many minutes you get in a day that God graciously gives you. Would you just give him some of those minutes? Would you say, hey, I'm going to do this. Maybe you'll even say this morning, how can I afford not to? Why wouldn't I give the God that loves me some time in my day to direct me, to guide me, to speak truth into me, to remind me of things that I need to be reminded of? After all, he knows me best and he loves me most. As Rob said, for 2017, we've, we've created this reading plan and um, I'm really excited about it. Last year, we heard such good things about the, this, this process of going through God's word together. Uh, this year, we're going through just the New Testament. And uh, we're going through some Psalms on the weekends and, um, and some Proverbs and some Old Testament, just a couple Old Testament chapters uh, mixed in and out that relate to your New Testament passages. But I just want to say to you, particularly if you're brand new to church, maybe you've never read the Bible before. This is a great place, very doable. Um, my, my kids, I'm challenging my kids to do this. I, it's, it's doable for anyone. If reading is an issue, go the audible route. But I think everybody can get God's word in their mind, in their heart. Um, and so in the back of my journal each day, um, I, I, I try to get into this journal every single day. And, and in the back of it, I have a list of things that I'm, I'm trying to pray for, right? And so I have different people and things like that. But I've got this whole section for Brookside. Just things that I'm praying on a very regular basis for Brookside. And this week, I was just thinking about how crucial this whole thing is and, and just how important and how life-changing it could be if, if collectively every single person in this room said, yes, I can do that, and you actually, you actually went for it. I thought how powerful that could be, and I thought how I would love to pray even by name for the people that are doing that. And so I, I floated this idea by our staff and, and by our team. And I just said, I said, hey, I'd love to be able just to go, you know, to, to a list of people and just to be able to say, God, would you, would you take so-and-so this morning or this evening and would you speak to them through what we just read? Lord, would you direct them, this person, and, and just give them direction, help them make that decision right. And God, would you speak to them through your word? And so I've kind of floated that idea, and this is kind of how it took shape. So if you go to our website this morning, in the lower left-hand corner, you're going to find this button. We've got just a screenshot of this. It says this. It says, I'm in 365. And so if you go to that, and you just simply click on that button, it'll take you like two seconds. You can do it right now. And you just put your name in there. Well, here's what's going to happen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a list of names, and I'm going to pray. It's my commitment to you. I'm going to pray for you throughout this year. And there will be times where I'll take this, this list of names, I'll take them to our staff, and I'll say, today let's pray. As people are going to God's word, let's pray that God would speak to them. Because here's the thing, Sundays are very important. This is a very important gathering for us as a church. 
But I would argue, I think it's even more important what happens for you during the week. That you would be a self-feeder. That God would be teaching you individually. Sundays aren't enough. And so I said, man, we, we're going to pray for these, you know, we'll pray for these names. There'll be times where I'll take these names to our elder board and we'll, we'll pray over them. Now, let me just say this. Don't worry. There is no side agenda. There is no, like, Bible mafia that's going to form. I will, I will never call you and say, how are you doing? You know, I'll never do that. I will never stop you in the hallway. Why didn't, you know, I, not, that's not the point. But this is the point. I believe with all my heart. If you would commit to reading God's word on a daily basis, you would grow into a tree that bears much fruit. You would be a legacy lever. You would be a fruit bearer. You would be passing something down to another generation. They would be so glad that you did. That's the point. And if I can pray for you, I'll just be honest, it would be a joy. And if our staff and our leadership team can be praying for you as you do that this year, it would be completely our honor. So that's the challenge. Um, Maybe for you even, you identify a friend or a small group and you just say, hey, I'm going to try this. I've never done it before or I'm doing it again. You know, help me, help me, you know, remind me to do that. Um, if you do need one of these plans, as Rob mentioned, you can grab one of these on your way out today. You can grab some at Connection Corner. They're there as well. Or you can just get this on our website um, too. Church, imagine the good that God could do through a people that are regularly hearing from him. You know what I love about that Old Testament story of Naaman, that military leader? What I love about that story is that he came to a point where he realized that there was a better way, and he humbled, he kind of humbled and swallowed his pride, and he didn't do, though, something drastic. He did something simple. First things first, might we be a people that we would do the simple things and we would repeat those over time that would ultimately allow us to be the kind of church that we're ready for the big things that God is going to be calling us to. Let's be that kind of people. Are you in? Yes? Good. I'll say. Better than first service. That's good. No, just hey, let me pray for us and we'll be done. Heavenly Father, thank you for your church, and uh, Lord, it's a joy to be able to come together, to be able to study, to be able to, Lord, think about you and um, to learn. And Father, I pray now that um, uh, maybe even for those that would just say, I've never read the Bible before, never done that consistently, I pray, God, that maybe today would be a new day, and um, Father, maybe we'd say, yes, click, I'm in, pray for me, and uh, Lord, might you raise us up to be men and women and and children that know you and that love you and that make you known because you are so worthy of that. Lord, we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.